0: So
1: welcome to another episode of Is This Adulthood? I'm Ryan Durge.
0: And I'm Katie Jones. And
1: we're here with a good friend of mine, uh, Harris Bundy, who is, I guess you could say maybe a real estate tycoon uh, <laughs> or getting there <laughs> in Toronto. He's had four years experience and uh, just an all-around awesome guy. And I've known Harris for years. And in fact, I've been trying to get him on The Bachelor or bachelorette as a contestant <laughs> for years. I actually applied for him the other day because, I mean, 6'3", good-looking, deep voice, mama's boy, ex-almost pro golfer. <laughs>
0: Did you know about
1: this? <clears throat> well, he mentioned it before,
2: like um, maybe last year. And then uh, it came up in our conversation a couple of days ago, yesterday, actually. And uh, he was hounding me for like information, date of birth and, and address. And, <laughs> and I finally caved and I said, okay, am Harris is, is, is like, it. what? Well, I think that I told Ryan, my sister actually, um, she submitted an application for me years ago and I had no idea about it. And she actually told me on my birthday in June, she was like, Hey Harris, just give me a heads up. I, uh, if you get, if you get a call from some, like, I don't even know what, who hosts it, but if you get a call, like, don't be too nervous. I, I submitted a form for you. And I was like, Hannah, what the hell are you doing? So, um, <laughs> so yeah, so Ryan, Ryan submitted one for me yesterday. So I, I will see how it goes. <laughs>
0: Oh, well, <laughs> best of luck to you, Harris.
1: Well, thanks. I, I don't even know, but
2: I don't think I'd want to go anyways. But Ryan's twisted my arm and I, I eventually caved.
1: <laughs> well, hey, I think like the fact that you're um, you're an eligible bachelor in Toronto could be its whole episode. Uh, the reason why we brought you on was to talk to you about real estate and real estate during yeah. you know the pandemic. And also as a millennial, a lot of our listeners are um, in that demographic you know, how do you even start to think about buying property within a city like Toronto? Um, so maybe you can start by telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you brought you to real estate in the first place. Sure. Yeah.
2: Um, well, I guess there's a couple of pieces to that question there. So to start off, I mean, how I got into the business was um, a really good friend of mine, Stuart Scogland. um, you know, we were we played golf together growing up, and and uh, he kept getting my earbud. And his mom actually spoke to me about it. His mom um, owns Remax Hallmark, which is one of the the uh, it's the largest independent Remax brokerage in North America. Um, and so the his he's he's hugely connected into the real estate world. And anyways, his mom kind of spoke to me about it when I was a kid and said, "Hey, I want you to do this with my son Stu." And um, you know, and things kind of progressed, and and I, I went to Western where I met you. And then I studied political science. I wanted to pursue a career in golf. Um, and then, um, and then when I kind of just said that's just, it's just, there's too many unknowns and and I just don't want to feel like I'm getting lapped. I ended up staying an extra year in high school to get my, my grades up and, and have a higher SAT to get down to the States. Um, and, and then I felt like I was lapped. So I decided that I was going to jump right in. And in my final year of university, I, I only, I, I not only did my courses at university, I also did my real estate courses. Um, so by the time that I was finished school, I was ready to roll. I, I hit the pavement, run it. So, um, that's kind of how I got into it was just, you know, my buddy Stu and his mother kind of giving me a hard time saying, let's go, let's go, let's go. And, um, that's awesome. yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's a, uh, man, it's a tough road to get going. Like it's a really, it's tough sled to start. I mean, I, I, I don't know how people do it when they've got, you know, they've got kids and they've got a mortgage and I mean, they've just been like mm-hmm. going through their job and they're thinking, Hey, I'm going to go hit this because it's, it, it takes quite a while to build up a book and to, um, it's all commissioned. So, I mean, it's, it's sink or swim. So it's, it's really, it's tough sled in your first few, few years, but once you really get a good understanding of the business and you've got a good book and, and you're doing all the right things to generate revenue, then, um, it can be, it can be a, a really great lifestyle. I mean, in today's world, in the pandemic era, I mean, we can start to roll into that. It's, um, the market is it's too early to know what's really going to happen. I mean, uh, I think a few weeks ago, it, people were panic selling. It's almost like the real, it's almost like the financial markets. Um, when they start to see the dip, everyone pulls out. And that's, that's what creates the crash. Mm-hmm. And we felt, I, I saw that the, the panic sells were happening a lot more frequently, maybe three or four weeks ago. The market's kind of coming back um, in the downtown core. Um, the condo market is a little bit softer. People are are taking quote unquote, a bit of a haircut on their, on the, on their, on their condo deals or condo sales, they're, they're taking a bit of a reduced price. Um, but in like the, the, the residential markets like Leslieville and the beach and you know, Etobicoke, uh, Parkdale, they're still pretty strong. They're still pretty active. The demand was just so strong before this pandemic hit, um, that the buyers are mm-hmm. they're they're back out there. And, and a lot of the, in my opinion, I think that the burbs are going to be affected the most. Um, that area is a little bit more volatile. Um, the prices for subdivision homes out in Oshawa, in my opinion, shouldn't be a million dollars. I, I think the land value is just, it's just too little to to make an, to, just to come up with an evaluation of, let's say a million dollars for a 3,000 square foot house. Um, that's, yeah. that, once again, this is all opinionated stuff. Um, it's, you know, it's all, it's all driven by supply and demand. Um, but anyways, mm-hmm. I just, I think that they're a little bit more, Uh, vulnerable to a correction uh, in the suburbs. But yeah, yeah, that's what we're seeing in today. It's a bit of a compression in the pricing, but it's not, no one's really, we're not taking a dive. People are still coming out to buy, to buy houses.
0: Now do you, would you say that, um, because there's kind of a lot of conversation about how our age demographic millennials um it's becoming almost impossible at the thought of owning a home mm you know before your 30s or even your early 30s whereas you know the generation before us that was much more feasible um do you think that that's going to change the market's going to be forced to change or buying is just going to become a thing of the past and renting more common or is there kind of no going back once you've continued past that
2: Mm. it's a good question um my only argument to say that it's you know it's it's it, it's sure the landscape is different than from our parents landscape but the only um the only way to draw some comparisons is in um interest rates they were working with 18 to 20% interest rates on their on their mortgages we're working with wow. 2.5%. so um the cost to to hold that mortgage was substantially higher um, than it was, than it is in today's world, or wasn't it, it is in today's world? So it's that's the only thing that you could say would be uh, to draw some comparisons between then and now. Um, of course, prices are just they're they're extremely high since 2016. They've just been booming, um, and that's when I got into the business. Since I've been in the business, I've only seen a very robust seller's market. I've never seen uh, a buyer's market where buyers have power when they go to. Uh, to negotiate a deal. There's, they don't vary. They don't often have a leg to stand on. Um, Interesting. And that's, just, and that's since I got into the market, which was 2016, where we really saw house prices start to really skyrocket. Um, what I, I did write an article um, for my, for my, uh, my network. And if anybody wants to hear my opinion, I send out a, a monthly newsletter with just some, really rough opinionated pieces. It's almost like I'm speaking to my, my listeners. I'm, I'm not actually writing something like you know, university. I'm not writing like a, a very long essay. This is just very loose. And it just gives you some perspective on what I'm seeing in the marketplace now. And I wrote about how I love them. <laughs> yeah. It's great. I mean, people
1: really they're, like, they're great. They just yeah. like
2: to hear that. It's not, it's, you, you don't need to be a rocket science to sell real estate. You just need to actually pay attention to the market and follow the trends and be be very active in in what's happening around you and so so anyways i wrote this piece about how it's it's a it's kind of a it's kind of a nasty piece because the moral of the story is we won't have enough money to create a down payment i mean the, the, the prices are just going away from us way too quickly we are for millennials mm-hmm. we're only making i mean what's the appreciation last year our inflation sorry 1.8% so let's just say that for argument's sake um, incomes are increasing at one point eight percent year over year, okay? But for argument's sake, that's not I'm not sure if that's the actual case, but I can tell you for a fact, they're not climbing at the same rate of real estate appreciation. Real estate's getting yeah. way more expensive, and the gap is increasingly getting more um, is getting further away from everybody. Um, so I wrote a piece saying essentially that parents that have been sitting on property that they bought for two hundred thousand dollars, and now it's worth two million dollars, that's all that's all liquid. That's all equitable. It's it's all you can pull money against that. So what I'm trying to get to is that parents need to help their kids out because eventually that money that they're sitting on, the kids are going to get anyway. In a negative do you understand where I'm going with that?
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So either either you're gonna want your kids to be around you and and you wanna be a grandparent and you wanna, you know, watch their kids develop and, and do the whole thing there with to be and have them close to you or they can go buy a house in Clarington or Bowmanville because they can afford to buy out there but you're never going to see your kids
1: that's interesting you know what i mean yeah. by that i never thought about it like that yeah so it's um, yeah
0: in terms of your article i will definitely or your you said monthly articles yeah. i will definitely give those a read and send them to some of my friends because i think that i mean Especially if you're maybe not so good with numbers, um, the whole kind of real estate, buying houses, saving mortgages can be a little bit of a daunting conversation totally. and, and overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So I know personally, um, I would rather read an article that just sounds like someone who knows what they're, ta- they're talking about talking to me instead of this lengthy, confusing, overwhelming you know, right. body of text that just kind of seems like I'm lost. Now I feel even more overwhelmed than I was before. I'm going to close the book, you know, um, totally. but just speaking about how you were saying how um, just prices are skyrocketing so much. I have um, a few friends with daughters um, and a lot of them that had, you know, plans on buying a home and, you know, even hopefully having their parents help them. And it just seemed like, although they've lived at home with their parents for a while, and they've been able to save money, it's starting to become so overwhelming that, it's everything is so expensive now that unless they're okay with living at home until like their early 30s, yeah, which a lot of people aren't okay if I have to move home for a couple years, so be it. But I do not want to spend eight years, you know, under my parents' roof, especially if they have young kids or, um, so they're kind of just dropping out of it and renting. Yeah. Um, it's heartbreaking for them because that's not what they were striving to do, but look, I'm not going to spend my entire 20s and early 30s living at home. Maybe I need to put buying a house on the back burner and they're going to renting, which I think is so sad because when we grew up, like if you wanted a house, you maybe had to move a little bit north. I grew up in Stowell again, like near Newmarket, but not like, oh, you've got to go all the way to Innisfil where you don't know a single soul because that's the only possible way you could ever own a home. It just seems impossible now.
2: Yeah. And Kate, have you seen the prices of of subdivision homes in innisville
0: no Lately? i yeah. haven't I just-
2: <laughs> it's not you're not you are not. people aren't really close to buying that either right now
0: yeah, yeah. And, oh wow and, that, and that's the thing i mean yeah when i grew up in stovall we moved there when i was four um from bayview and eglinton and you know it was slowville and everybody had like farm fields yeah. and there was nothing to do and i mean there really isn't much to do now there's just a lot of chain restaurants but it's now they're million dollar homes yeah and it's just like, you know, okay, we all need to save. And the world's going to get expensive as time goes on. Inflation isn't going anywhere. But when is it going to stop? Like, is it just going to be yeah. $4,500 a month to live in Toronto in a couple years? Like, where is there kind of the, we need to be realistic because people need roofs yeah. over their heads. Yeah. So, yeah,
2: yeah and I, I I can empathize with that because currently I do rent. But I, I've, I've managed to, my, my rent is really inexpensive uh, in comparison to what other people are paying in the area because I've got two other roommates with me. Well, I'm, I'm living with a couple. Um, so when we split the rent down, it's actually, it, it's feasible. I can save enough. I feel like I can, if I'm making a ch- good chunk of money, then I can outrace the market, I guess you could say. I, I can outrace the the increase curve. Um, so I mean, like I'm I, that's the only way to do it is if you live with multiple people to rent downtown. But what I will say about your previous point about where does this thing end? Well, um, my opinion is this, is that, I mean, you, we, can, we everyone compares us to the New York City or the New York City of the North. Like, that's what everyone kind of refers to us as. But ultimately, our tax structure is, is dramatically different. We're not a socialist country, but we're definitely on, on the left side of the, the spectrum compared to the U.S. So tax this tax structure in the U.S. is, is dramatically different incomes in New York city are also dramatically different. So I think that there's gotta be, and I'm not a numbers guy. Like I'm really not. I, I, I would love to have somebody break it down for me to find out what the, the ratios would be. I mean, let's say it, it's, we've gotta be getting to a certain cap in what renters can pay because right now, pre-construction condos mm-hmm. downtown, I've seen them trade for up to $1,800 a foot. So to buy a condo at $1,800 a foot, I mean, we can do the math quickly.
1: Um, a square foot.
2: $1,800 per square foot. So that's times out by, let's say it's a, a studio, 400 square feet. That's going to cost you $720,000 yeah. to buy, to buy a,
1: for a studio or
2: 400 square foot studio at 18, 1800 square feet. That does wow. not, that doesn't even cover, um, like the, the taxes and levies that could be brought against you on mm-hmm. the closing date, but that's a totally other topic. But anyways, there's gotta be a, uh, um, there's got to be a plateau in what renters and millennials can pay, yeah. j- just in general. I mean, how does it keep going away? Because yeah. if you go buy a pre-construction condo downtown, you're not going to be cash flow positive when you have a renter in there. You're not going to be making money. You're going to lose money every month. If if you got a studio condo downtown, it's going to cost you three thousand dollars a month to mortgage, and your renter is going to pay you two thousand dollars a month. So, wow. so why I guess people are willing to take the risk thinking that this is this asset is going to appreciate so dramatically that I'll make up the difference when I sell it. If that makes any sense. That's
0: and again, that's you have to have that money going into it. Like anything totally. when you're investing, you have to be willing to lose it.
2: Mm-hmm. But. And people are,
0: I don't know. I just, I find it sad. I,
2: I agree. And, and who knows what happens here? I mean, like this is, we, we are so early on in this. I mean, it, it's, we have no idea what the, what's going to happen here. I mean, I do a lot of work on the retail leasing side. Um, a lot of restaurants, a lot of cafes, mostly in the East ends like storefronts. Um, they are in really, they're, they're in really tough shape. I mean, they're, they're really, they're, they're, they're handcuffed. It's going to be really tough for them to, you know, to make it go at this right now. I mean, the cost to rent, it's just, it's really, really difficult. And the landlords, I mean, people think that they're making all this money and it's sure they might be, they might have been, but not anymore because no tenants are going to take those spaces. Wow.
0: Absolutely. My parents, Um, my parents own a restaurant. If you're ever back up at your cousin's place, it's on highway 48. It's called the coach house pub. Okay. They, but yeah, same thing. They, uh, they just rent from the landlord. There's, I believe five, five different stores in that plaza but again you know not being able to pack a bar like you used to and we have a very strong um like regular client base so you know taking away how many people can enter and then even with the premise of sitting at a table it's one thing if you social distance around a bar but sitting at a table you're already taking away that social distance and it's going to be hard for everybody going forward with what's happened um, during this pandemic, so, yeah, it's totally. going to affect mm-hmm. us all. Yeah. and then then you add like the the cost of living and and the cost of renting and the probability that, you know, buying a home seems, you know, so, so far away now, and it already seemed far away before. It's just it's kind of it's scary it times is. right now.
2: and and so i I was uh, when I, a couple of years ago, I read this article about this couple that was living downtown Toronto, they essentially said, we are going to rent this this studio apartment. It's going to, we're going to rent it $1,800 a month. So each of us are going to spend $900 a month, okay? If they had gone out and bought the same thing, their mortgage would have been around twenty eight dollars or $3,200 a month, something in there. So what they did is they took the, the difference and they started to invest that in the markets, the financial markets. So instead of spending $3,000 a month on your mortgage, you're spending $2,000 on rent, but you take that $1,000 difference and you start investing it. So you're still living, like so. That's the only way that they've decided to do this. Like that, they they're not going to catch the real estate. They they didn't catch the real estate curve. Like they did not catch the appreciation in, in real estate downtown. That's not. There's no asset, in my opinion. Well, I can't even make that claim because I don't know. But there's there's no way that any sort of uh, you know just standardized like a mutual fund or anything like that that's simple and easy is gonna is gonna be able to increase at the same rate that real estate did in Toronto over these last four years. Wow. Um but that's how they did it or are doing it.
1: It's interesting because I mean, even in that situation, being in a studio with two people is going to feel a bit crowded, but I am guessing that they're doing that for that reason to Mm -hmm. be able to invest the other money that maybe they would have put even towards a mortgage or even renting a one bedroom. And that brings me to a question about uh, you know, Katie and I love talking about love and dating on this podcast. So I'd be remiss if I didn't, bring that up. But <laughs> I really think as a single as you know, as a single person, and you can relate Harris being a single eligible bachelor uh, here in the city, but I, I almost feel like it is so valuable to be in a relationship for all the, you know, all the relationship things, but also as far as living in Toronto or purchasing. Because how can you do it on a single income? Yeah. I mean, unless you're in a certain type of role. For most people, you need the dual income now to be able to even consider purchasing.
2: Without a doubt. Without a doubt. It, it's, in my opinion, it's, it's you're right. It's got to be, it's a little bit easier. It's definitely a little bit easier. Um, <laughs> yeah. That streams out to all different like sectors of that as well. Like, um, I, yeah, it's, it's, it definitely is a little bit easier to have two incomes and, and one property and, and one roof over your head. Versus having one and uh, and being really stretched and leveraged. And so that's, I mean, if oh, you can yeah. tie this back into, into real estate and what's coming, you might see a correction downtown. You're going to see a correction outside, especially in the condo market. And, and we don't know how significant it's going to be just yet, but people are going to be over leveraged from this. They're going to have assets that are, are going to be depreciating in value, and they're going to have to sell off some of their portfolio. So you're going to end up seeing some condos downtown, some property Um, it's going to end up, it it might drop a little bit. I mean, right in last week's numbers, we did see, um, we saw demand drop dramatically and we saw prices, final numbers, not, they're not down by 10%. They're maybe, they might be down by, let's say 5%, but that's in, in the first eight weeks of this pandemic, that's. That's pretty significant, I mean that that's 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 oh, great. Yeah. I mean for young people like us, that's fantastic. We want to see this, yeah, but it just it just trickles into so many other aspects of the economy and I, I really I'm uh, I have no idea what's going to come and if we open this up too early and the second wave hits and and really yeah. takes a, a stranglehold on on our, our societal norms and and then that affects our economy it's it's really anybody's guess as to where this thing is going and that's why like when these you know when people some of my friends that are involved in the finance world, it's like, you know, they, I don't know how they advise their clients right now, because I don't think anybody has any idea what's happening here. Like the grand global scheme of things, how it's going to affect everybody. I just don't think that they do.
1: So.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, what's going on right now, um, it changes dramatically every single day. I mean, right now, they say we're starting to flatten the curve. So stores can, slowly start to open which before we know it it could be possible that we're all shut down again like it really does change so much every day Mm -hmm. um now i just wanted to ask you a question harris just based on your own personal experience um just because we have lots of different listeners with different interests If anybody was looking to get into real estate what do you think are some good qualities or characteristics that you would need in order to be successful in this kind of career
2: You gotta be a self starter. That's it. You gotta be willing to to invest in yourself and take risks. And you know, that's that's you know what I was mentioned earlier, you know, having kids and and a mortgage and and taking the risk. It's a it's a huge plunge for people like that. I mean, I was lucky enough to get in at at such a young age where I didn't have any overhead. Like my my thought was, do I have do I have fifty bucks in my pocket to go downtown and hang out with the fellas? Like that was it. Like it's not I I don't have Mm -hmm. a, a big mortgage, anything like that. So you've got to be a self starter you got to get get up in the morning and 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 develop a routine and and put systems in place that really are effective and um i mean that that's that's the that's the grassroots level of of what you need is to be a self starter um and uh i mean it, it doesn't hurt to be able to um i mean you got to be able to, if if you like being on the phone you can do it i mean that that totally works like I haven't been able to like, I've, I've sold one property since the pandemic started one of my properties another property didn't close because of the pandemic, which is totally bizarre. Um, but I've just been making phone calls. I've just got my database and I just call because yeah. and I, I, I'm not even trying to sell them anything. Cause I don't have anything to sell. I'm just calling to see how everybody's doing. Um, and yeah, then it's good. just a nice way to get in touch with people and, and, the idea in real estate is if you can be, this is my opinion again, but if you can be at the top of people's minds when they think of real estate, they see a condo, they think of Harris Bundy, they see a house, they think of they think Harris Bundy, yeah. you're going to be, in all likelihood, you're going to be successful at it. Um, it's just about doing that those small things to be at the top of people's mind without looking like a pushy sales guy because that's, that's not me. That's definitely not who I want to be or be portrayed as. I don't think that's who I am. And, um, and is
0: it across the board that it is just strictly commissioned? There's no base salary.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, yeah, that
0: must be overwhelming, especially during <laughs> times like this, you know, you've
2: got to, you got to budget really well. And, um, yeah. I, I, it's, yeah, I mean, for me, like I I've just been living like I've been making, you know, a, a, like a normal salary. If, if I, I did pretty well last year, I, I had, had a great year. I, I, I finished, um, at Royal LePage, I finished in the top 5% in Canada, um, which was huge. Congrats. Yeah. Thanks. It was, it was fantastic. fantastic.
0: Congratulations. Thank you. I
2: really appreciate that. But wh- I I didn't go spend my money. Like I, I, I just put it away. Like I, I'm not
1: nice.
0: like
2: Ryan, you know, me from university. Like there wasn't, there's there's no lavish stuff in my world. Like I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty low key. I, I wear sweatpants, you know, when I'm, when I'm off the clock and like it's, um, so yeah. it's, you just gotta be really good with budgeting and, and, and not, don't, don't be over leveraged. Like some of my mortgage broker friends that like they'll see a guy that makes 400,000, but he spends 450. And it's just like, what, what what are you doing, man? Like, there's something really nice about having, you know, just, just almost like Warren Buffett style drive an old Cadillac, but you put a lot of money away and you know, you live kind of stress-free. Like that's, that's in my world, that would be, Fantastic. At the the end of the day, that's that's all I'm kind of looking for.
0: No, absolutely.
1: What advice would you have for people that are looking to, uh you know, start saving towards purchasing a property? What
2: advice can I give? I, I Ryan, I don't know, man. Like the cost of living in Toronto is just so high. I, I would just say. Like yeah. do your best to, to find someone you want to live with that you guys are, are, you can tolerate each other and everyone's, you know, you can de- develop your patient skills and, um, and just, <laughs> and just try and put as much of it as a way. I mean, I really do think though, that, that, that parents are going to need to help. And, and like I said, like what you can do is you can just say, mom, dad, I, I need, you're sitting on, a, you're sitting on $1.5 million that's just sitting there. Your mortgage has been paid off. Can I, can I have 300,000? And whatever is, it sounds like a lot of money, which it absolutely is. But if they have to pull uh, like a line of credit or, or some equity out against their home, that interest rate's really low. So why not just say, mom, dad, can I borrow the 300000 to buy a house? And then I will obviously pay you back that $300,000, like a mortgage. Um, but I'm going to also give you the interest on what you've had to take out. So I I, I just think that parents are really going to need to to help their kids come up with down payments because it's just... It's almost impossible. It really is. I I, I don't know how.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I really don't know how how young people any you know anyone that's born later than 1995 is is going to be is going to be able to do it. It's tough.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, there are people that you know have will receive great inheritances or yeah, you know, have just grown up in a very wealthy family. But those are few and far between. And you know, Absolutely. I can be entry level at a great job that in you know ten years. I'll be making great money or whatever the scenario is, but I don't want to live at home till I'm 35, just so I can buy, I, I can buy somewhere. So yeah, I think if not everyone's going to have that situation where their parents can help, but again, their generation came from when homes were much more feasible. So.
2: Totally. And here's actually a really cool point that, that, um, I was listening to this, um, this webinar with, uh, I think it was the president of RioCan. can, um, and, and Rio can's a big, you know, real estate conglomerate that owns, you know, mall, like I think that they might own Yorkville mall. Like they own malls and they own big office buildings downtown. And what he pretty much alluded to was um, if let's just say that office space is not required anymore. Okay. Like let's just say, you don't need to go downtown to work that anyone that's working in downtown Toronto, they kind of have to live within like a hundred kilometer radius on, on like the far end to get into Toronto to work every day but now let's say you don't need to do that. You can go work from home. That opens up the the talent pool to all of these employers to across the globe.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. So like that, yeah. so that, so who do we, who? Like, I mean, who needs to say that you need to live in Toronto? I mean, sure. It's fun. It's exciting. There's lots of stuff to do, but I mean, the cost to live is just so damn high. And if you can get a job that let's just say it's based out of San Francisco, but you can do it in Innisfil and it pays you double. Yeah. Then, I mean, that sounds pretty good to me. And if the buyer and if the, the talent pool for all of these jobs starts to grow because the, you don't need to be downtown anymore. Who knows how that changed the landscape for, for first time buyers and, and income revenue, like just revenue and all that stuff. That's I mean. so
0: interesting Like because I have thought about the whole idea that working from home is gonna be you know, widely more used than it has been in the past in terms of mm-hmm. office space and everything but now op- that opens up the ability to not have to live close to where you work yeah in my opinion you tend to live in toronto to experience toronto so whether that's you know all of the kind of art scene and, and the the galleries you can go to or if you like the kind of the music aspect or you like the fun bars whatever that is that's kind of why you live in toronto to be able to jump on that subway Or the streetcar and go to those places. And if Mm -hmm. your rent and the cost of living is just so expensive, you don't have any money to a save for with to you know eventually go somewhere else or to go and enjoy any of the reasons that you're living in Toronto for for in the first place. Right. Which I mean, just kind of take. What's the point then if if you live in Toronto but you can't go and do anything that you want to because you can't afford it then. For me personally, I don't see like the, the the draw.
2: Right. Yeah. No. I I can I can empathize with that entirely, and I think that I think that young people, I mean me included, like we, I think that our anxiety levels are are way higher than they were in our in in, in previous than previous generations. I think that we yeah. we really have a. a, a well, I mean, social media has changed everything, and and what we can see and how we participate it really creates this, um, this, this feel of anxiety and sometimes helplessness. And, you know, you really don't feel like you're getting ahead, you're living downtown, but you know, you've got no money saved up and it's, it just, it compounds on you and it, it really, it affects you. I mean, I, I feel like that. I feel like that once a week <laughs> and yeah. um, it's uh, it's really, there's no right and wrong answers. I, I, I think that, you know, sometimes I just have to say to myself, don't, don't take life too seriously sometimes like you just got to kind of roll with it and just have fun. And, I mean, what I started to do was, it sounds, you know, I don't know, you know, what your listeners, how they, how they engage with meditation, but um, I've started to do that recently in the last, I'd say maybe two months. And it's really mm-hmm. helped me just relax and, and quote unquote, live in the now and not be yeah. too worried about what's coming or what's happened and just trying to enjoy the moment. And I mean, that's not, it that doesn't really help you too much with saving money or experiencing Toronto, but just maybe a, a different perspective on how to you know, get the most out of your experience living, living in Toronto or wherever you might be.
1: Oh, definitely. And as far as, um, I know you were saying that it's mostly a seller's market from what you've seen, uh, as far as people, um, you know, selling their homes, people purchasing homes or condos, is that, the, would that be the same with renting? Would you say that renters don't have a ton of power in the situation in Toronto?
2: They do now. Um, yeah, <laughs> what's happened is um, yeah, there, there were, there's new Airbnb rules um, and and Airbnb is not allowed to operate at this time with Covid. So that is putting so that that's putting these landlords um, in a really tough spot because what they've done is essentially, if you run an Airbnb a successful Airbnb downtown, you're going to make double what you could make from just a renter that's renting on a one year term, on a one year lease term. You can make a lot of money if there's a Taylor Swift concert that comes into town. you your your Airbnb rate like triples. You know what I mean? Wow. So they're like they're really they've developed their forecasting based on what their previous year's incomes are, so that's allowed them to leverage their property and go buy more. Um, that's not going to happen anymore. So right now there's 700 one bedroom apartments downtown Toronto for lease, and so that gives renters a lot of leverage because they can just say, hey, why why do I I don't need to deal with you and your nonsense. I'm going to go to the the guy down the hall who's got his place up for lease, and maybe he'll be a better landlord, and maybe he'll give me a, a better rate, and I can kind of shop these around a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, for a renter standpoint, right now, there's a lot more, a lot more um, leverage for, yeah. for, for for the renter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it seems to be that even what I've seen online is that there's a lot of uh, furnished. Places for rent as well, which makes me think that those perhaps were Airbnbs because the fact that um, someone is renting out their place fully furnished with dishes and a TV and all of that, it makes me think that maybe because of the Airbnb changes that some of these people that are sitting on property just want to get it rented out.
2: Yeah, definitely. They're, they're willing to, they, they are willing to play ball with you, quote unquote.
1: Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah.
2: Totally. So I anybody mean,
0: that's listening to this right now, sorry, Harris, I didn't mean yeah, to yeah, no cut you off there. Um, That is maybe really starting to think that they want to move out. Um, Although times are tough right now, would it be good to kind of jump on this with landlords, maybe be willing to negotiate having talked about the Airbnb situation
2: from the renter's perspective? Yeah. I think that there's, yes, you'd have no problem going out right now and, and having a, a good, negotiated lease. You can, you can definitely, um, you can definitely, he might be able to find a deal and it's every situation is totally different from the next. But um, yes, I think right now if you were considering getting out of the house and renting a place downtown right now is is as good as I've seen it.
1: Wow. And would you, would you recommend going with an agent when you're looking at renting, like going with a real estate agent?
2: Uh, it really depends. Um, I, Honestly, my, my colleagues might hate me for this. I don't think so. Um, I don't think that you do, need, um, you do need an agent to go help you with the condo rental. Uh, you might need one for a house. Um, just because condos, it's really easy to see what what, like the, um, what the last one sold for. Coming up with comparables to develop mm-hmm. value in your lease, that's really easy in, in the condo world. And it's, it's probably a little bit less expensive if you go right to Kijiji and you can go find it yourself. That being said, I will warn you, um, there are scams out there through Kijiji and there are other agents that post property on there. So at the end of the day, you might be dealing with a real estate agent regardless.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I think from, I think, I think the, the, the greatest thing about having a real estate agent is, is it's the, it's the trust and the, and the, the value that they bring through, through trust and, and their yeah. brand. It's like, yeah. you know, that they're not going to put you into a jam because yep. their brands is totally reliant on your experience.
1: Yeah. It's peace of if, mind, I guess, as well. It
2: totally is. And and we take care of everything. Like you don't have to you like you don't have to end up like you know, developing a tour and finding out where you have to go and where the lockbox keys are and, and organizing with the landlord. We do all of that for you and you don't pay us a cent. It's all paid for by the landlord.
1: hmm Oh
0: wow. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so that's a big thing that people are, like. The, like a misconception is, I mean, I even have you know women that are in their in their fifties ask me. So how do we pay you if we want to go buy a condo? And I'm I'm like, well, what do you mean? Like you don't pay me anything. The the sellers pay me everything. So when you go sell a condo, you're paying for the buyer's commission, the buyer's agent commission, and the seller's agent's commission. You I if if Ryan, if you came up to me tomorrow and said, Harris, I want to go buy this place at 159 Wellesley. And geez, how do I, I like how, do how I you put me?
1: me in the village. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, figured, I love yeah, how you close. put me in the gay village. No, I mean, hey, you never know, right?
2: Yeah. And I'm, I'm literally looking right up like north of like church right <laughs> now. So it just came to my mind. But anyways, yeah. Uh, but if you wanted to buy that, you wouldn't have to pay me anything. You don't, there's no money exchange between you and I. My fee just comes from the seller.
1: Interesting. Which is a
2: total common misconception that a lot of young people might not know. And that might, might ha- that might create a barrier for young people to reach out to me because yeah. they think they have to pay for my service, which they don't.
1: Would a landlord that's renting using an agent though, uh, increase the the listing price knowing that they're going to have to pay, uh, the agent as far as renting. Yeah. Do you know?
2: They Yes. Yeah, it, it is, but it's, it's not significant. It's, um, it's pretty small. Uh, like we, we ended up making as, as, um, as agents on a deal, we'll get paid half a month's rent. So that's what we'll get oh. paid. So the landlord is for the, the landlord is forget is, is, is giving one month rent to make sure that they've got a good quality tenants coming into their door.
1: I see. Okay. So yeah. it's, it's not like it's split out over the term of the lease.
2: Usually. No, no, it's, it's okay. just paid up front. The landlord pays it. and And right now, I mean, yeah, any landlord that, that posts a property without an agent doesn't put on MLS. They're really doing themselves a disservice right now because there's so many one-bedroom condos available for lease. MLS is the, really the, the premium platform for exposure. So if, like if, if you were to go to sell a house, it's going to go on MLS. If you want to find a rental unit, it's, it's, it's all, it, it should go on MLS because if you're a landlord, one month's rent really isn't a big deal. If you leave your place vacant for three months, Yeah, there's your problem. I mean, you might as well pay the one month rent rental fee. You're going to end up netting more at the end of the day.
1: Wow. Harris, I mean, we could talk to you for hours. You're so interesting and in the way you explain things are so digestible. And that's what I like about your your email newsletter that you send out as well. And, you know, we've, we've been talking a lot about how it can be tough for millennials to save to buy property, but at least there's people like you and real estate agents that are are in their corner and ready and willing to help. So thank you for that. And if you don't mind, you know, just sharing with our listeners where they can find more information on you, where they can subscribe to your newsletter and maybe also your social media links, that'd be great.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, my website is harrisbundy.com. Um, and then my, my social accounts for real estate are harrisbundy real estate. And then one that's a little bit more specific, it's called Canary condo living. And so that's a brand that I'm developing in the Canary district. Cause it's a pretty new area. It's kind of like a Liberty village of the East end. And there's a lot of planning being done down here. There's going to be a lot more infrastructure brought to the area, like Loblaws and shoppers and stuff like that. We just lost sidewalk labs. I'm Mm -hmm. sure you guys have heard about that. Um, so that's, that project just went belly up and that's kind of a, that's a stinker because that I thought brought a lot of value to this area, but regardless it's, um, it's a really cool place to be. And so I'm trying to really develop a brand in here. So that's, that's Canary Condo Living, but for anyone that wants to get in touch with me and just wants to just talk real estate, absolutely. Always. I'm here for you. Happy to talk. It's just Harris Bundy real estate. Um, that's my Instagram handle. And, um, yeah, and if you, and if you just follow me and uh, send me a, send me a note, then I can add you to my my email list.
1: Just just for everyone that's listening, that's Harris H A R R I S Bundy B U N D Y, and thanks again, Harris, for joining us.
2: Well, guys, thanks so much for having me. This was this was great. I really enjoyed talking to you both.
0: No, fantastic. I hope I didn't
2: ramble too much.
0: No, not at all. And like I was saying earlier, the conversation of real estate and buying homes and renting can be daunting and overwhelming. And so it's nice to talk to someone that kind of levels it out, makes it make sense. And uh, doesn't totally scare us completely.
2: Yeah, that's cool. Uh-huh. Thanks guys. And I, I hope it's, uh, I, that's the problem is it can be really daunting. And um, sometimes I make it a little bit too complex the way that I explain it. So I, I really am working on making it, it, it a lot more simple in the way I explain things, so I'm, I'm happy that you guys got to uh you could digest it all and you thought it was appropriate for the podcast.
1: Of course, as our listeners know, you can follow us on Instagram at is this adulthood or on Twitter ita underscore podcast if you want to get in touch. And yeah, you were great, Harris. Um, hope you have a lovely rest of your week and thanks again. Thanks, Jerks. Stay
0: happy and healthy during this pandemic, suit,
1: Katie. You too. I'll see you at Foodland.
0: See you at Foodland. All right. Sounds good. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.